Good evening and welcome to another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdahl, C70 The Bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Nichols from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Um, we're coming at you Monday night, um, the 5th of December. We usually do these on Sunday. We tried to do a show last night. Zencaster was not going to be a uh, willing participant in our endeavors last night. So we're doing a show on a Monday night and... Wow. Um, we, we picked the right, depending on how you look at it, I guess, the right or wrong Monday to do this. Tara, tonight, as we were getting ready for the show, the news came out that um, Dan McLaughlin, the Cardinals broadcaster, has been had been arrested Sunday night uh, for his third DUI. Um, made bail, out on bail right now, waiting for all the charges, all the legal things to run their course. But, um, you know, anytime this kind of situation comes up, it's terrible. But a third time with a guy like this, it, it's really hard to deal with. It is. And on top of that, I, someone else made this point. I was just uh, scrolling through the news as it came out but and, and thought it was a good point to make if there is a good point here. Mm -hmm. um, but not only that, this is someone who was intimately involved in a whole handful of other situations with this Cardinals team right. where people lost their lives or came close to it because of the destruction of alcohol in their lives. And so not only has he had his own experience with it that cost him significantly, but he's seen it in a really up close and, and as personal of a way as you can without it being someone, you know, mm -hmm. actually family connection or something of that nature. So to go through that experience so many times in so many different ways and to still be in a place where this could happen, mm -hmm. um, you know, first of all, it's sad and it's, it's heartbreaking for anyone to be in that place. Um, where this would be such a repetitive circumstance that they find themselves in. Mm -hmm. um, it's maddening because not only is he putting himself in that situation, but again, with a number of these other things that he's been very close to, um, there, he puts other people at risk. And, yeah. you know, there are so many people who are paying the consequences for other people's bad choices. And he very well could have been that person in this scenario or any other where he made that choice. And then to do it as someone who is such a public figure who comes into our homes every night of the summer and, you know, in, in other instances in other sports or other events after that throughout the rest of the year, it feels very personal, even when it's not to the rest of us watching. And that makes it very public and it makes it, um, not necessarily worse because it's bad enough on its own, but the consequences are are likely going to linger more um, because people care about what happens right. with the Cardinals. People care about what happens with people associated with the Cardinals. And I'm sure there will be wildly ranging opinions about what should happen with Danny Mac. But for me, the bottom line is it's it's terribly sad and it's devastating that this was not something he was able to get 
beyond in his life mm -hmm. to be this far into it. And back in a position where, what, 10, 11, 12 years ago, this was something we were talking about then. Right. Yeah. I mean, addiction is something that, you know, everybody, I mean, if you, if you haven't dealt with it, and I definitely not to anything like that, have, have not. Um, but all the reports, all the things are that, you know, it's just, you can't control it. You can't make rational choices to some degree. And, and so if alcohol is that for, for Danny Mac, I get that. Um, you, you do your best to try to stay out of those situations, but sometimes that, but I mean, you just got to know if you're going, I mean, cause we don't know where he, we don't know if it was a friend's house. We don't know if it was a bar. We don't know what, where, but you just got to know if there's a situation there before things start tail tailgate, you, you at least, you know, you put your key somewhere where you can't go. I mean, you just have to know one, just because of everything that, that has been, you know, the Oscar DeVars, Josh, Josh Hancock, mm -hmm. um, you know, David Freeze, Tony LaRusso. I mean, we, the Cardinals have had situations that have ranged from fairly pedestrian to, you know, obviously um, life ending. Um, but you just, I mean, you just have to, to know that maybe it won't get too bad, but you can't risk that. And Danny Mac yeah. has talked so many times about how, how this job is, you know, his dream job. And this is, you know, St. Louis boy and all this, and this, and, and, and he is the fabric of the broadcast. Um, he is the voice that this a whole generation has come up listening to on TV. I mean, you just, I feel like you've just got, and I know it's easy to say here and not in the moment, but you've just got to, you know, not put yourself in situations. And then even if you think that, even you think there's a absolute small chance you line up the Uber, you give somebody else your keys, mm -hmm. you do something else not to be running that risk. Because yeah, I were reading, there's the, the article on, on uh, the post dispatch about this and talking about him, driving in an S pattern and into oncoming traffic. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's fortunate. He probably is fortunate yeah. that he's still alive, much less that he didn't do any damage to anybody else. Yeah. And it's tough. Uh, of course, speaking from the outside, looking in, mm -hmm. it feels a little irresponsible to make too many assumptions about what was or was not happening in his life. And I think you and I would both agree that um, it's not really what we're here to do. It's not really what we have any interest in doing other than to say, like you did, addiction is, it's not casual. It's not something mm -hmm. that you can be passive about. And whatever the extent of that was or is for Danny Mac, um, you know, it, it feels all the more necessary for someone with that history and with that experience and with that struggle to safeguard against themselves as much as anything and against the things that put them in a precarious position. And, you know, unfortunately, even if it was this one instance in the last 12 years, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It right. was, it was one instance that could have been the difference maker in, in someone's life or death moment. And, and that's why it has to be taken seriously. The fact that nothing bad happened doesn't negate the, the seriousness with which it, it has to be handled because like you said, he's fortunate that nothing yeah. bad seems to have happened. Um, and there's no guarantee that it wouldn't if the problem went unaddressed. So mm -hmm. the, 
on the the human level, I I really sincerely hope that the impact of this moment for him is getting to the root of why this is his his constant, why it's such a persistent mm -hmm. challenge, and that he can find a source of health and of change that is more permanent so that this doesn't control the rest of whatever the rest of his life is right. to be repetitive in that phrasing. But on a, a sports level, I mean, it, it certainly has an impact on the local sports media. I mean, the St. Louis media is a pretty tight circle of people who are in everything and at everything and know everyone. And I can only imagine the the, sh the ripples, the shockwaves uh, as a, a result of that. And then as far as the team is concerned, Danny Mac's there every day, mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. the time. And is, like you said, the soundtrack to the summer for most fans. Um, unless, you know, you live in a place where it's impossible to actually get the game broadcasts <laughs> on a regular basis. So then you have to be a bit creative. But um, it's it's significant and it should be significant and it shouldn't get brushed under the rug. But it does have a, a, a large circle of impact on a bunch of different levels from the very human him and his family level to the very large scale, you know. <laughs> baseball wide how you look at the cardinals and listen to them over the course of the next summer yeah. you know so far i think most everyone that i have seen on twitter and other places has been of course very much we want danny mac to get the help he needs we want you know yeah. all that but there's also a fairly large contingent of the same people that really don't think dan mclaughlin should have this job anymore after this and i think that's a fair assessment right this is the third third of uh time he's been arrested this is a felony because it becomes uh, persistent um i know last summer when jim edwards was going through his very public divorce um for reasons that were not flattering for jim edmonds um I found it a little awkward with him on the, the broadcast at that point in time. You know, I was a little bit surprised that they didn't say, Hey, you know, maybe take a week or two off or something of that nature. So I'm not going to completely rule out Dan McLaughlin being there on opening day. I don't think he will be. I hope he's not because I don't think that's good for him either. Um, it, have we seen the last of Dan on the Cardinal broadcast? Do you think? Well, I'd say two things. I think the legality of the situation certainly comes into play and, and sure. may have a significant impact in terms of how that all plays out. Um, I don't know from a, a law standpoint um, exactly how what this means in terms mm -hmm. of the, the near future. Um, but there are consequences for our choices in life. And, right. you know, if I if if the question is, do I think he should be treated differently because of his job? No. He has the same responsibility in being a good human as anyone else does. Um, so there are consequences for choices that we make in life. I would also say 
coming from an avid sports watcher and someone who works in the TV part of the world, uh, it's not uncommon for someone with some sort of personal life issue to be put right back in front of people on television. But I'm never a proponent for this sort of easy solution of, well, then it just should just cost him his job. It should cost mm. him his. I, I don't. I don't think that that's always the quick, um, simple fix to things. But in the position that he's in, yes, his job is to call the game, and yes, his job is to know baseball and to know the team and to be able to tell great stories. But part of his job is to, <laughs> maybe to put it simply, to be charming. And to be likable so that people want to tune in to the broadcast. And you just said it about Jim Edmonds. There are a lot of people who don't feel that way about him and have (laughs) and will probably continue to actually turn at least the volume of the game broadcast off when he's in one of those modes where he's just impossible to listen to. So it is part of your job as a public facing person in the television industry to be the kind of person that represents the organization, represents the network, represents the stories that you're trying to tell in a way that people believe you and are willing to give you their time and their ears and their attention. This is the kind of this is the kind of decision, this is the kind of mistake that doesn't just go away. And mm-hmm. If he were to be present on opening day without addressing it, while it's not really the public's business, what he does in his personal life and how he handles this from here on out, it is if he comes back to be the face for the Cardinals on television. He will have to deal with it because too many people have lost someone or have been affected by someone who is an addict and who has driven while they were drunk and they're not going to just forget it. So what that means in terms of his future in television, I feel like, again, I feel like it would be a bit irresponsible for me to try to make that judgment now because I'm just reacting to the, I, I found this out, this story literally five minutes before I started recording. So none of this is particularly well thought out in terms of, you know, his place in the career world. But I guess if I'm making that decision, no, he does not come back to be the face of of the St. Louis Cardinals because at the end of the day, to me, who someone is as a person and the choices that they make in their personal life can't be entirely separated from who they are as a professional and what they do in their professional life. Mm-hmm. And if if his stability as the voice of the Cardinals um, kind of gives him this, this alternate reality where real life doesn't seem to matter, um, then it's not really a healthy place for him to be right now. And so for two reasons, one – for the, the integrity of the Cardinals broadcast and the reflection on the team and on the network, no, I don't think he should be the, the face of it right now. But two, for his own well-being, I don't think it's a healthy place for him to be if it's kind of giving him cover for 
what maybe is the real root of the problem. And I, I don't know, maybe it's easier in the off season when you don't have to be at the ballpark every day to fall back into those old patterns or something to that effect. So yeah, he needs to focus on getting help as a person and not worry about the TV side of things where I don't think he needs to be right now. Um, is that permanent? Is that forever? I don't know. I'm not that kind of person <laughs> to say, um, you know, there's never a way back, but I don't think that that should be the primary focus for him right now. And the network um, should maybe force that issue a little bit. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, again, I was, I was personally surprised, you know, I, I did not realize it had been 12 years to looking at the article that when he got a second one, but I will say his first and second were kind of close together, maybe yeah. a year or so apart. And so I really did not expect him to be around after that second one. So I, you know, at, with a decade plus of good behavior, if you will, um, you know, does that make a third one more survivable for him? I, I don't know. I, it's definitely one of those things where they ha probably need somebody new for 2023, if nothing else. Um, yeah. Between the fact that his rehab stint, he, he can't go to rehab. I don't think again, I don't, you know, I'm not, it's going to have to be up to the professionals and stuff like that. Let's right. qualify that obviously, <laughs> but you know, just on the face of it, it's hard for me to imagine that he goes to rehab, you know, this week that he is to in a spot come definitely not February in spring training, but even by beginning of April to be in a spot where he should be back in that lifestyle, especially on a, you know, in, I know that you were talking about the off season, probably you does lose the, the discipline and stuff. And there is that, but you know, during the season, you're on the road, you're, you're going, you're at yeah. a ballpark and you're at, I mean, you're reading, you're, you're watching the, you're reading the bud advertisements or what, you know, they're, those commercials are playing. You're, you're always, I feel like there's a lot more, a lot of temptation, especially in baseball for the alcohol. Yeah. You're, you're certainly less in control of your environment. Right. Um, in that circumstance than yeah. you could be, you know, when, what your environment looks like is entirely up to you. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like this is one of those things that at, at bet for, for both sides, you're looking at 2023, you know, somebody else. It does yeah. that mean he comes back in 2024, 2025. I don't know. I'm not real excited about that idea, but I could be talked into something like that. But I think you have to find somebody else to, do this job in 2023 and that becomes a problem because you and I were talking about this beforehand and it's also been out there on Twitter. The Cardinals have a lot of guys. I mean, that can do play by play. I mean, not play by play, uh, color, you know, we've mm, had yeah. what the, the five, six <laughs> rotating hosts right. in there and, you know, but there's nobody else. And that's partly because Dan's Dan's so good at, at his job. And Dan's a guy that is at the ballpark every day. I mean, he doesn't miss games. So there's not anybody that just comes to mind to take over that play-by-play -play, um, on the regular basis. Um, yeah. So I don't it's, know where they go there. Yeah, and it's 
you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking while we're having this conversation, this conversation does not feel good. No. Um, it doesn't like I, I kind of the longer we've talked, the more I've had kind of a pit in my stomach just because this is a kind of conversation that feels like, man, this is not our life. Mm-hmm. This is not our circumstance. This is not we don't know what he's going through in his family life or in his, you know, with friends or with whatever it is. We We have no idea. And that trigger for someone who has a problem can seem so insignificant to someone who doesn't have that same problem mm-hmm. or doesn't have that same trigger. And so th- this whole conversation feels very much like, man, we probably have no idea what we're talking about. And <laughs> well, that's every show. Right I, I mean, yes, but in terms of something that <laughs> right. may have slightly larger uh, right. implications than baseball. And I just, so I just, not to say that people won't talk about it or that they shouldn't talk about it. I mean, we, we have talked for 20 minutes about it. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's it's significant because, again, this is someone that we feel a connection to, even if we don't know him on a personal level. Um, but I just – I feel like it's important to remember that it's not our life. And mm-hmm. as much as it impacts our favorite baseball team um, – yeah, we've both said it, but I, I want to reiterate it again. The The bottom line is this is someone who very clearly needs help, maybe not even just with the alcohol problem, right? right. This could be the mm-hmm. surface um, indication of something that's so much deeper and so much more significant than that. And it's not our place to assume. It's not our place to um, try to sort out what the details of that might be or what he should or shouldn't do. Because like you said, we're not professionals. It's That's not something that we're in any place um, have the right to or are capable of doing in a 20-minute broadcast. But the the flip side of that coin is well this doesn't feel good and it's an uncomfortable conversation and to some degree it feels like i'm i don't know if i should even be talking about this because it's not my life uh mm-hmm. but it does have an impact on the things that we do talk about on a baseball podcast and the things that do happen in the sports world like well what do the cardinals do now and mm-hmm. that becomes a uh, seemingly insignificant in light of the severity of what might really be going on in Danny Mac's life, but that's not our job to diagnose or to dissect. So uh, to sort of have that caveat of (laughs) this conversation is really uncomfortable, but yes, it does present a really, um, I guess, interesting in the sense that it's not something we would have predicted, right? As far as, Oh, who's going to be doing play-by-play for the Cardinals uh, this upcoming season if it's not Danny Mac? And there's not an obvious choice. There's not Mm -hmm. a super clear second target because, in part, none of those, you know, five or six rotation hosts slash analysts are guys who could slide over into the play-by-play chair, right? They're all the former athlete who can talk about baseball, but they're not necessarily the TV guy who can do the job of a a television host and or at least they couldn't do it without a a lot of practice and work and kind of great producing in the background (laughs) (laughs) um so you know they bring in someone totally new do they slide someone over from radio but they just reshuffled the radio setup to um last year so i I don't know that they want to 
move those pieces around and complicate both broadcasts. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is if they go in a different direction, even if it's just for the one year or two years or whatever that becomes. Um, and, you know, Danny Mac does what he does with a lot of passion. And so you replace that with anyone. And even if people think he should not be in that position right now, there's always going to be the comparison of what right. it was before or what we're used to. And it's going to be weird for sure. Yeah, it is. It is difficult and hard to imagine. And, you know, again, I, I don't, I don't envy the people that have to make those kind of decisions <laughs> no. and have to deal with a lot of this. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes again. I think I think we've been pretty clear that the the most important thing is that something happens, something some that sort of yeah. help gets through to Danny Mac. Um, yeah, it's gonna be yeah. also interesting. I you know I hadn't really thought about it till just looking up some stuff, but you know what that means for his whole broadcasting empire that he has with yeah. the podcasts and things of that nature. Uh, uh, that'll be interesting to watch, I guess, as well, because I think. I think it is fair to be able to separate, you know, what, you know, the the personal side of this and what right. this affects this person, and then the public side or the ramifications of this, the broadcasting, the podcast, and stuff like that. You know, yeah. that's what we're looking at, kind of in a vacuum type of thing, while mm -hmm. still wanting the best for for Danny Mac. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we've gone almost our length of the show on this, but there. <laughs> are a few actual things on the, well, not really on the field, but at least baseball um, to talk about. Um, winter meetings have started out in San Diego. Um, this is actually, I think, the second day of them. They're another day or two before they, they wrap up. Um, the Cardinals have made no actual dues yet, which is, is probably not too surprising given <laughs> the fact that it's the Cardinals. What? Yeah, I know. I mean, I just thought they were going to buy everybody while they're out there, but apparently not because Trey Turner going to the Phillies, um, 11 years, 300 million, which, you know, you look at those numbers, you say, oh, okay, well, Cardinals weren't <laughs> anywhere close to that. Um, there are some reports of the Cardinals are in the shortstop market. Jumbo Zaylock comes out to die and says, Hey, we're happy with Tommy Edmond. We're happy with Brendan Donovan. We're happy with Nolan Gorman. And hey, by the way, there have been people calling us about Paul DeYoung, but we're not, we're not ready to, we're not ready to cut bait on Paul DeYoung. Hmm. Now that's a lot of happy talk. I, I mean, and I get that, and maybe that's what they believe. But I also feel like if that's what they believe, maybe that's part of our problem here, <laughs> because if somebody's calling you for Paul DeYoung you say you don't let them off the phone until something happens. Yeah. I'm always so intrigued by the winter uh, moves in baseball. And I'm not even talking about the trades and the signings. I'm talking mm -hmm. about how information is shared through whom it is shared and what is actually said. Um, you know, we, I think primarily know by now that, most of the sources in the baseball world are like agents right. <laughs> um, who are trying to help their client by sharing some sort of rumor or some sort of tip or some sort of, oh, 
unofficial news. Uh, but I don't think that teams themselves are strangers to that either in terms of someone in a front office somewhere uh, being given the okay to say, hey, we're we're talking to this team so that reports get out there so that prices, you know, become public or so that interest shifts or whatever. I would love to know. I would just just love to be <laughs> a fly on the wall to hear where all of this information is coming from. And every, you know, seasoned writer has their guy, their source that they can go to to try to get something from. But whether or not it's accurate in terms of the totality of what they're saying or how it's presented, I just I find it fascinating while watching from a long distance without getting very emotionally invested <laughs> in what is said <laughs> and what isn't. Because, I, I mean, to be honest, part of the reason that I didn't see the latest news until before we started recording is because early on in the day, I was seeing the... Uh, rush and flurry of, oh, the Cardinals are clearly in on Sean Murphy to the Cardinals are clearly in on a shortstop. And I was like, the Cardinals are probably not clearly in on anything. (laughs) There's probably tiny bits of information where like someone in the organization said the word catcher and said the word (laughs) shortstop. And all of a sudden those turn into these, you know, rumored or sources say, um, so I just I can't I can't spend too much mental energy on it because I I I suspect that there's a lot of misdirect happening in these conversations that do in fact get shared. But when you uh, read the quote from Mosaic about Paul DeYoung to me, my immediate thought was that sounds a lot like a chess move. <laughs> that sounds a lot like I'm gonna play this so that someone else will make their play based on what I just said. Now. It's not um, unusual for the Cardinals to be particularly attached to their own guys, to their own demise at times. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's what's happening with Paul DeYoung. Maybe that's what's happened in the past. Um, There seems to be this idea that, well, our guys will figure it out on a much stronger level than the, what if we go out and get someone who's already figured it out kind of game plan. And you know what? I mean, they've had a great run of mostly successful teams. However you want to define that might change your opinion of their success level. But comments like that to me at this point are just like, oh, that seems about right. Yeah. <laughs> That's That seems to be the status quo. But <laughs> in the last handful of years, they have actually made moves that were not that status quo type of move. Looking at you, Nolan Arenado. <laughs> so... Take what that is for winter meetings chatter. Um, and at least for me, I'm I'm not going to swing wildly in one direction or the other while we wait to see what they actually do, which is, you know, way less dramatic for a, a podcast because it'd be more fun if we could just dive in wholeheartedly <laughs> to, <laughs> to one discussion or the other. Um, but I do, personally, I just, I find it a bit comical to see what it actually sounds like they're saying, not what fans hear (laughs) when something is said. Um, Because I think often they're two very different things. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, what they say behind the closed doors and what they say (laughs) out to the public is different. You know, there's different audiences too. I mean, there's, you know, it doesn't do you any good to say, yep, 
we got Cavaldi Young on the market, you know, I mean, because yeah. if nobody takes him. Oh, well, it also, it also doesn't do you any good to say, man, we thought we were going to trade Paul DeYoung, but nobody's calling us. Yeah. Like, that doesn't help you either. So it's it, all very strategic. It's all right. very intentional. And well, I'm, I'm so intrigued by that. Well, and if nothing else, I mean, you know, maybe that, you know, Paul DeYoung reads that, right? And says, right. hey, you know, there is some interest out there in me or the club is staying with me or whatever the case yeah. may be. I mean, that's a positive thing. Unlike when Ollie Marmol comes out and says they have a void at catcher, which really makes Andrew <laughs> Kisner feel good. Um, uh, yeah. But, well, um, I, and I was just about to say, man, you always want your public comments to, to maintain high value in your players, which I think the Cardinals take very seriously. I mean, except for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, Sorry. It is Sorry, fascinating. Kids. It is fascinating to see. I mean, because I think in the past, and I, maybe I, I think Alan and I talked about this on, on Mutual maybe a week or two ago, but I always think of like in the past, they would be talking up like, well, we're, you know, we're willing to go in there with Andrew Kisner as our starter. You know, we're, yeah. we're going, you know, we've, he's come along and, you know, if there's something out there, great, but you know, we're willing to go into the season with Andrew Kisner. There's none of that. Nothing at no. all like that. Now, John Moselock did say tonight in his address to the media out there, or his sit around and gab session, I don't know what how it was, but um, he did say they they were hopeful that they would get their get their catcher while out in San Diego. Not not from San Diego. That's a different story. Um, but um, perhaps maybe from another Oakland team because there does seem to be. Again, like you said, it's hard to know how strong this is, but even Derek Gould has reported through some sources. And Derek, you know, he's not likely to just, he, he, he's done this enough. He's careful. Yeah, right. He's careful. Yeah. I mean, he's beyond careful. <laughs> I mean, I think he would wait until like the day after a trade to announce it just to make sure it went through, you know, that kind no. of thing. No. And he has said that the Cardinals have Sean Murphy at the top of their list. Um, does not mean that that's who they're going to get this time around, but that does right. is seems to be the focus, and that does seem to be the focus for a lot of people. It seems to be the top option. Do you think? Do you think it? Do you think they that the Cardinals actually have a new catcher by the time they come home from San Diego? Uh, it's interesting as a question because. You also just said that the their the top guy on their list also seems to be the top target for a lot of other teams. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of competition for not a ton of players in that position. Um, but if we've seen anything from the Cardinals in the last few years, it's that they may be interested in that top target, but they've got a plan B and a plan C and a plan D mm -hmm. in place as well. So. Yeah, I would say if they've established as their intention, hey, we want to settle on who our catcher is going to be so that we can move on and build around that however we need to. Um, I would say that if it's not by the time they leave, it would be very shortly after. And the the sort of linchpin, I guess, in that is if Murphy is their top target, how long is it going to take for that? to shake out because mm -hmm. if there are enough other teams invested in that, how quickly is that 
is that deal going to develop? Um, because what I do think will happen is if the Cardinals don't get their top target, and if in fact that is Murphy, when he goes somewhere else, the Cardinals will move pretty quickly to acquire their next choice. And we've seen them do that a number of times in recent years as well. And sometimes that second choice isn't what we all think is the second best player, right? It might mm. be the second best deal in terms of, you know, say it's a trade and it's like, okay, for the 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 plan A, we'd have to give up this much. Um, in plan B, let's maybe take a step down in terms of kind of overall rankings of that player so that we don't have to give up just as much for someone who's not quite as talented as that top piece. So uh, there's a lot of moving parts there, but I would say if if the market for their top target doesn't shake out as quickly as the end of the winter meetings, I would say they'll move very quickly once it becomes clear that they're no longer in the running for that top target. That's as specific of an answer as I'm willing to give. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to tear way out on the limb here. That's what we're going for. Um, but I, do, I really don't think they'll. I don't think they'll drag it out. I mean, I think they've been when the Cardinals start getting specific about timelines of we want to get this done by. Um, mm. th they really want to get it done because they're yeah. typically very much the let's sit back and wait and see what develops. So I don't think it's something that they'll just let drag on and on and on at this point. That that is fair. Uh, I think that's the case. And I mean. There have been a number of years where the Cardinals have gotten all their activity done well before. Yeah. Well, there's been years that they've gotten it done before Thanksgiving, but, you know, definitely <laughs> before Christmas. And it doesn't count if they're not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that too, but uh, usually it's that one signing that that right. middle reliever yeah. that they get before yeah. Thanksgiving and then everything's done. Um, but yeah, I think that I do feel like they're making progress somewhere. We'll find out if it's enough. Um, but I think that that gets done and, you know, there's some discussion out there, you know, the idea that the Cardinals are in on the, the shortstop market, even though it doesn't really seem that way could be that, you know, as, as excited as they are about Nolan Gorman, he goes in a trade for Murphy and then they start looking at a shortstop to move. Edmund back to second base. I mean, something like that, some sort of right. domino yeah. move. And maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. Um, Cause I mean, I'm perfectly expecting, you know, they get a catcher and that's it, even though there's other parts that they could help <laughs> and improve. I mean, it's, I mean, if you're honest and you, and you're not willing to give up Paul DeYoung, what are you willing to give up? Right. You know, and how are you yeah. going and to I think, get something else that's better? I think that for me is part of why every comment like that from Mo to me is um, it it doesn't exist in the real world like it sounds, mm -hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense, because yeah. it's similar to the, the whole Juan Soto thing that I, I'm sure Derek Gould is – endlessly tired of referring to in terms of, oh, it was Dylan Carlson that held up the deal. Well, I mean, probably not. Like specifically, Dylan Carlson alone was the the one piece they're not willing to move. It was probably like a particular combination of talent 
for talent that didn't match up to what they figured out was worth it in their formula. So, you know, the same thing with we're not ready to cut bait with with um, Paul DeYoung. Well, that doesn't mean they aren't interested in trading Paul DeYoung. It means they haven't heard an offer that returns them the value that they're expecting from Paul DeYoung. So, you know, any of these things, are, it's kind of like, read what it says, but then try to figure out what it means in terms of everything else that's probably going on. And uh, that's what's really impossible. But it, it leads me to believe that the conversations happening in that office about individual players are probably less, well, we can never trade this guy and more, okay, if we were to trade that guy, what's the best we could get in return? And then you you target that. And until you're getting close to that best case scenario, you continue to say, we're not interested in trading. Um, no. So So any of that... Point being, I don't, I don't know that I would say, like you said, they could go out and get their catcher, then make a move for a shortstop um, because of who they had to move to get the catcher or whatever it might be. And saying we're not going to trade Paul DeYoung doesn't necessarily mean they won't trade someone of higher value. Just means they're not getting what they think is a fair value. <laughs> in the conversations they've had on Paul DeYoung to this point. At least that's my perspective. Well, and I think, I think that's fair. I think that's true, but I also think it raises the question, how are they valuing their players? Right. Right. I mean, which, because yes, <laughs> if, if somebody's offering, you know, to pay $7 million of Paul DeYoung's salary and send you a double A player, I think that's probably a fair value, right? I mean, you're saving money and, you know, but if you think Paul DeYoung is going to be a 30 home run shortstop again, then of course you don't do that. Well, um, and, and I guess, I think to me, I'm, I'm making it more complicated than that. And perhaps it's not, but I don't think it's always necessarily, and this isn't, you know, novel. I'm not the first person to ever say this, <laughs> but I don't think it's, it's always that direct correlation of, Paul DeYoung is worth this much money and this much in terms of player talent returned, right? right? It's Paul DeYoung is worth this much to us. What is Paul DeYoung worth to someone else? And then what do they have that is worth something to us, right? Because when Yadier Molina was the catcher, right? A backup catcher didn't really matter. Right. So if someone wanted to trade with you for a shortstop, what they were willing to give you in return was a catcher that has no value to the Cardinals, right? That might have great value to someone else who needs to be able to split time with their starting catcher or something to that effect. So I just, I guess my point is, I don't think it's always um, like a one-to-one -one ratio of Paul DeYoung is worth this much to every team everywhere. <laughs> and, the return for him is the same no matter what team you're dealing with. I think it's a very different formula depending on the needs the Cardinals are trying to fill in and how that kind of establishes the Paul DeYoung value in the sense that, okay, if we can get a double A player, 
and some money off the contract, then let's be strategic with who that double A player is and what role that they will fill. And, you know, with someone who has been as ineffective as Paul DeYoung, maybe that's overcomplicating it. And maybe that's valuing a possible return too much. Um, But I think it's, I, I guess, I think it's far more variable than just a straight line from Paul DeYoung to value. Yeah, that's probably true. And it's, that's fair. <laughs> but I also tend to complicate things. So, well, I mean, so does, so does the Cardinal front office. So you're, you're in good hands there. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just very interesting to me. I mean, when you look at, you look at what this team looks like now versus what it looked like at the end of the season. You look at the fact that the Cardinals were talking about raising payroll and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to see how this team's, I mean, unless there's more that we don't know and there's always possibility, but if the Cardinals make a trade for Sean Murphy, it becomes very difficult for me to see them making another trade. Right. So they're going to have to go to the free agent market. There's not a lot out there unless you're, I mean, the biggest name has signed the biggest couple names, you know, Justin Berland are also going to the Mets today. Yep. Um, so guys, you know, a power arm, starting pitcher. I mean, you, you could go get Jose Quintana to come back and, and hope that that, you know, resurgence is true. Um, you could, you know, sign, you know, maybe you do have to sign a, a Swanson or a Bogarts because you need, you've traded off Gorman, who knows, but right now, and, I, and we're in this situation a lot. I'm, I'm, this is not unheard of. And sometimes it pans out, sometimes it doesn't. But it just is hard to see how the 2023 team is going to be that much different than the 2022 team, except for the fact that they're not going to have Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina to have fun with. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if if you're, I mean, it's probably going to be a winning team. The NL Central does not look like it's going to be competitive yet, um, depending on if the Cubs, what the Cubs do, I guess, this winter. But um, it's it's still hard to see where that new, you know, new excitement is going to come from and heck where you're going to replace the, the power of Albert Pujols, um, you know, and and right now, even the leadership of Yadier Molina, maybe that's Murphy, uh, who knows, but it's just still, I mean, again, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but unlike some years where you could see them going through 45 different directions, I just don't know that there's anything they do except for getting a catcher. Yeah, I mean, I fully expect a Quintana-like move <laughs> that mm-hmm. that you go, huh, okay, that's fine. Um, I don't know if it really makes their starting pitching um, any more dependable than it is now, but that's there will be lots of moves like that to come at, at some point down the road, I think. But, um, you know, I think the catching position is the primary target. If for no other reason, then it hasn't been for them in a really, really, really long time. And, you know, they probably don't want to miss too much right. on that. Um, and then I think, again, I think that decision and what happens there then allows them to move on to the next thing to say, okay, here's what it took to get that. What else are we capable of doing? Is it spending more money? Is it uh, moving some you know, minor league players to fill in from the back end? Is it you know, signing some pitching talent that is a bit underwhelming, but could have a resurgence, you know, all of those things come into play as the 
afterthought to their primary target. And if their only primary target is at catcher, it's different than in years, like you said, where there have been, well, they could go get a starting pitcher. They could go get a shortstop. They could go get a left fielder. They could go get, um, and in this case, a DH. Um, They could do, I I guess there aren't as many holes. Mm -hmm. And yet the holes that there are um, could use significant upgrades in order to push this team sort of over that next uh, that next ledge to postseason contender, not just um, you might actually get there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I again, I think it all really the the dominoes start to fall once that catcher position is um, secured, and then you see what options you have left in terms of pieces you can move and money you can spend. Yeah, and I think we we've known for years. The Cardinals are not going to go for a massive upgrade of anything that they have something that's reasonable, right? I mean, we right. had the we yeah. had the Bryce Harper discussion quite often, so um, so we'll see how that goes. And and that is become unfortunate because again, this is another year with really good shortstops, and you know apparently the Cubs are getting in on Korea and Bogarts and all that kind of stuff. So right. you know it may be the fact that okay, not only do you not have them, but your major rival does, and that's. <laughs> Just exactly where you want to be. Yeah, so. of course. Always fun. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Well, we've gone long and, uh, you know, but uh, this is probably our last show till January uh, with the holidays and stuff. Both of us being getting busy. It'll probably be January before you hear from us again, unless some sort of huge breaking news happens and we can find some time to squeeze it in. Hopefully something better than tonight's huge breaking news. Mm, but yeah. Um, anyway, so until next time, for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.